God, we love you. I thank you, God, for Jesus, Lord, the life that he lived, but Lord, also the life that he gave. He gave it all. He shed his blood. His body was broken so that I could know life, so that I could have hope, so that I could have redemption and security, and Lord, that I could have a life that is marked by rejoicing. So God, this morning, right now, open our hearts, our minds. We come into this room today with just a myriad of life just coming in in all different ways, a myriad of, a myriad of expectations and presuppositions and needs. Some of us are up on a high right now, and some of us are down in a valley. But Lord, we are all in need of you. And Lord, every need that we had was met in Jesus. And Lord, every bit of, 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 of uh, teaching and, and transforming work we can find in your word. So we come to your word now. Lord, let, let your heart be made known to us and let, our, let us align our hearts with yours. Let the work of Christ be made real to us and let us come and rest under that work. Let it wash over us today in a very real way. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Amen. Good. Well, go ahead, if you can, go ahead and open your Bibles to Isaiah 40. Um, if you, or click on your apps. Um, if you don't have a Bible, look underneath the chair near you. There are some Bibles there. Feel free to use that. The first person to get there in one of the floor Bibles, let, let me know the page number, Isaiah 40. We can help others out. If you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to take one of those Bibles with you. It's our gift to you. Um, so while you're turning there, just to kind of get us rolling this morning, it's been said, I love Christmas. With that, I love Christmas specials on TV. I'm, I'm sad they're not, like the, the good ones play like back in Halloween, I think. It's so weird. Like they play like the good ones, like the Claymation Rudolph and, and Frosty the Snowman and, and like the, the Twas the Night Before Christmas. I haven't seen that one in a long time. But I mean, like the, they play all the good ones like along, like way, way far away from Christmas. And now they're playing all these weird family, you know, life movie ones or whatever. So, but anyway, I love, I love Christmas specials as well. My favorite, one of my favorites is absolutely Charlie Brown Christmas. And, you know, Charlie Brown's going through the whole, the whole special trying to figure out, you know, what he should focus on for Christmas. He's trying to get the perfect tree. It's a big deal. He ends up in the big Christmas pageant with everybody. It's that big moment. And he stands there and just breaks out or interrupts the, the program. And he just screams, in that awesome Charlie Brown way where their head's up and you just see their mouth and their nose and I can't do that. But he's like, can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? He screams that. We live in a world that is crying that out, especially right now. Distraction after distraction dilutes the message of what Christmas is all about. Today, that's what we're talking about. Can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? We will answer that today. My hope and prayer is that, is that this time of truth that we come to the Word of God, this truth of Jesus and the hope that he brings just washes over you today. Just the goodness of God expressed in the sending and coming of Christ, I pray that it just washes over you today in a very real way, that it overtakes you. It's not something that we just sit here and nod our heads at and say that's nice, but that it just, it overwhelms you to where you cannot ignore it. It quickens, it quickens your heart. That's my prayer for today, because that's how good this news is. That's how good this message is. That's how good the answer to that question is. 
we want to keep it simple today. I want it to be clear. I want, it to, I want us to hear the good news of Jesus. So we're going to answer that question. Can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? Let's go ahead and read our text for today. We're picking up where we left off, Isaiah 49 through 11. Here we go. It says, Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold, your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. As you already heard in, in our Advent reading for today, our, our Advent themes for each week, we've, we've looked at comfort We've looked at preparation, we've looked at proclamation, and today we come to rejoicing. And as we looked at comfort, just to remind you that the, the word of comfort came because the people of Israel, the people of God, God's chosen people had just heard a great judgment upon them. They had just heard that a day will come when they are exiled from their land, they are exiled from their home, they are taken as captives because of, their, because of God's judgment against them, because they had rebelled. They had decided that their way was better than his, they were self-sufficient, but he said, then he spoke a word of comfort. He said, but there's comfort. And he spoke with tender words as Isaiah proclaimed the truth of God. And then we went into preparation. And really the, the central theme of the call to prepare the way of the coming Lord was, was a work of saying your, your victorious conquering king is coming to deliver you. Prepare for him to come. So it is a proclamation that there is a victorious king coming for you. And then that led us straight into the proclamation. We heard that proclaimed, and then we were charged to proclaim the message as those who will be rescued, who will be redeemed, and who are redeemed. Proclaim, letting people know that, yes, this world will pass away. You will pass away. That is the kindest message you can tell someone because it brings them to the end of their self, Again, the self-sufficient man, the self-sufficient woman, brings them to the end of their self and turns them to God and saying, God, I need you. And the victorious king will come and, and pick you up. And we know that that's in Jesus. So now here we are in rejoicing. My thesis for this week, what we'll be proving throughout this message, I hope, is that rejoicing is fueled by gratitude. The, and the grateful heart says that is satisfied and needs no more. Rejoicing is fueled by gratitude, and gratitude comes from a grateful heart, and the grateful heart says that it is satisfied and needs no more. Our every need is met in Jesus so we can rejoice in all things. That's my thesis for today. That's what we're going to end with. Philippians 4.4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. So how can we rejoice in all things? Let's look at our text. Right there, out of the gates, verse 9, we'll see, first, it's because rejoicing is an identity. It is an identity. It is who you are. Let's look at this. It says, go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Zion and Jerusalem, they're the same. Same name, different names for the same people. It is the people of God, God's chosen people, the people that God chose set apart for his holy purpose, the people of Israel, the people that the blessing of promise was delivered to the world through, the people that, that Jesus would descend from. 
This is the people that God is speaking to here. These are, it is their identity. And when he says, he says, O Zion and O Jerusalem, herald of good news, that herald of good news is an adjective. It is saying, this is who you are. You are a people that herald the good news. You are a rejoicing people because of who you are. And again, remember, this is Isaiah speaking of the future redeemed people of God that have been exiled, taken captive, and brought back out of that captivity and delivered back into their, into their land and restored to be those people in God's favor. They were restored to that. This is where we're talking about. And so to say, oh, Zion, herald of good news, oh, Jerusalem, herald of good news, he's saying, think of the work I've done. This is who you are. You cannot help but be a people that rejoice. When I think of heralding the good news, I just think of resounding rejoicing. I mean, think of, let's just play it out, okay? So in, in kind of broad view, we, we get what they went through. If you are in Christ, think about what you've been through. If you've come to the place of understanding that need and surrender your life, how could we not be a people of rejoicing? How could we not be? How could it not be our identity? And I don't mean this as a guilt trip. I mean this as life-giving word to recognize who you are and what God has done on your behalf in Christ. How could you not be? We are to be a rejoicing people. I think about, you know, again, like to, to, to be these people that just proclaim and rejoice and they're heralding good news. It's because, it's, again, it's consumed them. It's consumed you. It's consumed me. And I think about in the age of viral videos, which I, I can go down a YouTube black, black hole with the best of them. I mean, just ask my wife. She'll tell you some stories. I'll get read and embarrassed. And just, it doesn't matter what's happening. Just if I start, like, just takes two clicks. The first one, like, hey, I want to watch one video. And then you see the related one. And then there's another one. And, like, all of a sudden, you're, like, an hour and a half of your life is gone. And everyone's, everyone's sitting behind you. You think everyone's excited. And they're sitting behind you just, like, shaking their heads, like, what the heck? Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Anyway, but I, in the age of our videos, like, I cannot tell you how many times I've come home from my day. And one of the first things I want to talk to Amber about is like, honey, oh my gosh, you got to see this video that I saw today. And like, I mean, like, I'm th it's burning in my soul on the way home. I'm like, I got to get it. I got to show this video. You know, some cat and he jumps out and tackles his kid and it's awesome. Like, <laughs> and it changed my life, you know? And so we, we, we get the concept. That is so frivolous. But we get it like when, and sort of think about how could we not be a people that are rejoicing? And the question that comes to mind is, have you tasted that the Lord is good? We talked about the, kind thing, the kindest thing you can do for the self-sufficient person is bring them to the end of themselves. You cannot taste the goodness of God until you have tasted the depths of your need. To use an unpopular phrase, to, to recognize the extent and the depths of your own sin. That is when you taste the goodness of God. Have you brought your emptiness to Jesus and found satisfaction? Have you brought your wounds to Jesus and found healing? Have you brought your fears to Jesus and found security? If you have, how can you not be a rejoicing people? How does it not burn on your soul and burn on your tongue to tell, to proclaim, to go up to the highest place and make it known? Not a guilt trip, words of life, words to myself. That is how good it is. If it's not there, okay, say, Lord, I don't feel this way. Do that work in me. 
Stir it up in me, okay? That's where we're at. If that's where you're at today, that's where you're at. Pray that prayer. Stir it up. Make it burn in me so that it has to come out. Again, just thinking about how we started just a few minutes ago with communion, and we talk about remembering the work of Christ. Just be a people who don't forget. Remember. Remember, pray, pray just in those holy times with yourself. Discuss with the brothers and sisters. Share. You know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who had gotten into, he's, he's, a, he's a Christ follower, and he had kind of, he, he lived in a community of guys that they all profess Christ, but they were just kind of going through motions. And he went on this ski trip with, with three other guys. And they were, these were different guys he hangs out with, and he's, he's, hiking in, 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 he's hiking around Lake Tahoe, and he said it just hit him like a ton of bricks. He said, all of a sudden, I'm just taking these steps, and I, I just start playing back the conversations we've had, these guys and myself, and we're talking about just what's really happening in our lives, what our needs are, what we're, what we're excited about, what, is, what we're struggling with. We're talking about what Jesus, what we're learning about God and what we're being taught in his word. And he said, all of a sudden, he's like, I recognize there was an eternal weight to our conversations. And again, he also said, of course, we were being stupid and cracking up and, and, and making jabs at each other, but there was just this difference. And again, like thinking about, is that the mark? Is that what, let's just remember. Let's be a people that remember the work of Christ and not forget. And if you have not tasted and seen, if you have not tasted the goodness of God given in Christ, take hope because there is eternal hope extended to you. The word says it is my desire that all would be saved. If he's calling, respond. So we're to be a rejoicing people because it is our new identity in Christ. It's just who we are. You're changed. You're the old is gone, the new has come. You were destined to death, now you are promised life. There is nothing to do but rejoice. We are a rejoicing people. The people of God are a rejoicing people. It continues in the second part of verse 9. It says, it says, lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. We can also rejoice in all things because we have an eternal hope. The message we are told to declare is the most hopeful and satisfying message for ourselves as well as for the one that we can proclaim. It is the message of eternal hope found in God alone. Look at that. Like, what, are, what is he telling them to, to cry out, to tell all the cities of Judah? It is simply... Behold your God. Recognize who he is. Be humble. humble. Come before and be humbled and behold. Take it in. Again, let it wash over you. Fall on your knees before him. In his goodness and in his mercy and in his majesty, let it be revealed and behold our God. God, I mean, just thinking on just a few thoughts of who God is. Again, this could take, we could do this the rest of the sermon. God is eternal. I mean, Isaiah 40, 28, just a few verses later, it says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So when we say that there's an eternal hope of God, we're saying that that hope is wrapped up in the entire being and character and promise of God. So first, he is eternal. He is eternal. That's why his hope is eternal. God is immutable or unchanging, as we say. Isaiah, uh, Malachi 3.6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. We are in that lineage. 
God is good and loving. Psalm 86, 5, for you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Is that hopeful to you, to know that that is the God that cares for you, to know that, the God, that that is the God that loves you, to know that that is the God who seeks you out and calls you in and sent his only son, Jesus? Is that hopeful to you, to think that that is the motivation of the God who cares? That is the motivation of the God who rules, who reigns? That's why our hope is eternal. We rejoice because we are a rejoicing people. We rejoice because the hope that fills, the hope that covers is eternal, and it is because God is who he is. It seems that we turn everywhere else before we turn to God in our times of need, just like the people of Israel that, we're, that are being spoken to here. Again, we've said it already today. We've said it a few times before. The greatest sin was to be self-sufficient, to be a self satisfying person, to mean that they found their hope in themselves, they thought their way was better as opposed to their sovereign good God, they rebelled. Again, you and I, we, we have that same tendency, we have that same struggle, so we get to come and surrender that. Turn to your eternal God now and always. He is our only eternal hope. So we have an eternal hope in God, and our hope is wrapped up in His completeness and His character. So we continue Isaiah 40, 10, and 11 says, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. There's so much to unpack in these verses. There's so much that we could kind of just sit in. But I just want to point out just one central message of these, of these verses. And I want us to see how the very character and heart of God is expressed through his arms. And his arms being the vehicle, the tool, the way that he delivers his love and care. First, we see in verse 10, the strong arm of our sovereign and mighty God. It says, behold, the Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. The strong arm of God comes to conquer evil and liberate his people. The strong arm of God is mighty. It is unflinching. It has no equal. And in his victory, he has taken spoils. As a victorious king, redeeming and liberating his people and his spoils of, of battle, his spoils of that conquering are the redeemed people of God. It says there, it says, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. His reward is his liberated people. His reward is those who have been liberated and come to be back in fellowship and in his right place and standing. The redeemed people of God are his spoils. That is who he gathers up. And that leads us right to the second work we see of his arms. We see it in verse 11. It says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. Hear the tone of these words. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. In verse 11, we see the tender, caring arms of our loving God, of our loving Heavenly Father. How many times have you heard, how can God be loving? He is just an arrogant, 
Man, I've heard people say he's an arrogant, spoiled brat. Man, I've heard that. And it's like, do you know him? Have you, do you realize what he gave for you? Do you realize what he did for you? And this is you here. He stepped in. He liberated you. And he didn't just say, okay, you're free. Follow me. Now, come on. I know it's hard. Come on. He, with his own arms, cared for you. He scooped you up, and he held you to his bosom. I mean, I have a, almost a, I have a five-year-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old, and I love those times. They're getting, it's happening less and less because they're older. They're getting more active, but just when they just get to just nuzzle up. I was telling Amber last night when Brooklyn still loves daddy time and wants to sit in my lap, and, and, and it's just so just peaceful. Like, it puts me to sleep every time, like literally. I was just telling, I was like, last night she came up, set my lap, and before I, it was like, you know, we got home from the Christmas party, and it was, it was still early enough, but just, it's just peaceful. Like, that, that's just a special moment, you know, and like to think that God wants to care and hold, he wants to care for us and hold us that way, that's his promise. He is the mighty God, mighty to save, who comes with all, with all strength, and all, all, all wrath if needed, and he comes to liberate his people as a, as a victorious warrior king. But also he is this tender heavenly father. So we see that very character of God expressed in his arms. God is sovereign and just in his desire is that you would know liberty and care. So can you trust him? Well, what C.S. Lewis said, he said, you know, he was an atheist and he was seeking out God. He was seeking out the truth of God. And he was studying and brilliant man. And finally one day he just said, you know, just finally, I had to just acknowledge that God was good. And that changed it for him. And man, can we be honest with ourselves? Honest and, and as we look at this and say that God is not good. He is good. He called a way, he, he stepped in on behalf and stepped in for a wayward and rebellious people that over and over again had rebelled against him. And I'm talking about the people of Israel, and I'm talking about you and me. You know, he did that. That's, is that not good? Is that, is that not good news? That's the promise. Can you trust him? And I say, yes, you can. And I pray that we can come to that place that we can say, yes, I can. So we come back to Charlie Brown. Can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? Like I said, the world is crying this out. If you are in Christ, if you've been redeemed, snatched out of captivity and brought back into fullness of life in him, you are to be the herald of good news. And, and that, even that phrasing is not quite right, right? If, if it is an identity, it's not just what you are to be. It is to be a natural expression of life because it's who you are. So it's who you are. You are the herald of good news. I want to look at a couple of quick things real quick. Let's look at a couple of directives given to the people of God throughout this text as to kind of bring it all home. We skipped these as we were going. So first off, in the beginning of verse 9, it says, go on, up, go on up to a high mountain. Why? Why does, it, why does it start with that? If he's talking, again, he's talking to the, to the people of God, the herald, the people that are the herald of good news. Why? I said, this, this is... As I think about it and understand it and, and study it, it is on the high mountain is the place where you can see and be seen, and it's where you can hear and be heard. It's 
the people of God who are carrying the message of the risen Savior, Jesus, who are carrying the message of hope and redemption, not just carrying it to dole out sometimes, but again, if it has changed you all the way from the inside out, your life as we live faithful, humble, obedient lives for God, your life is the heralding call of the good news of God. So just being up on that high mountain, one who has given their life to Christ, committed to bring just an offering of obedience that is a heralding of good news in itself. You showed that there is a freedom. We've ta- we talk about it on Sundays all the time. We're pointing to the kingdom of God, to the reality of the kingdom of God in this world now when we live out this, this goodness of God. We're pointing out that there is, that there is a hope that goes, that goes beyond what we have. There's, a, there's an identity that goes beyond what we do. So as the people of good news, being up on the high mountain, it's a place where you can, you can be seen. So just as the people of God, because you are transformed, the glory of God draws man to himself, and the obedient life points to God, and that very thing is what draws people to God. So you want a life that is used for God's glory and for people's good, man, submit your life to the word. Live as God makes his way known, say yes. So it's a place to be seen, but also it's a place to see. It's a place to be heard so that when you speak the oracles of God, as you just speak out the truth that is in you, people hear, it's also a place to hear and see because we are meant to be a people on the mission of God. Just as Jesus incarnated into our world, just as God came down the mountain, didn't say, find your way up to me. He came down so that we could have life. He's saying, hey, look where there's need. Listen for the need and be a part of taking the hope of Jesus to the world so that we can see and be seen and hear and be heard, not for our glory, but for the glory of God, not for our good, but for the good of those in this world who are seeking in our need. Amazing. Is that cause to rejoice? I think so. Like, and again, it is the rejoicing itself that is used by God. It is a position of readiness and intentionality. And at the end of verse 9, it says, Lift up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah. Lift up, fear not. If all this is true, what is there to fear? You know, to point it out, just to say it, not leave it unsaid, to say fear not is saying that, okay, you will face opposition. Again, to the self-sufficient person, the, fact, the message of the good news is not good news, like we've already said, because it's a call to come to the end of yourself, and man, that is terrifying. We're all self-sufficient in ways, so you can identify. I know I can. So there will be opposition, but fear not. If all this is true, if all that we've been talking about is true, what is there to fear? I consider it... It's, um, you know, it says, do not consider this present suffering worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in you and to you. Come what may. Come what may, God. If, if all this is true, nothing else matters more. There is nothing more important, both for my own, my own just understanding of, of life and joy and hope. Walking, can, is there anything better than walking in relationship with the Lord? unbroken, unfettered, just unbroken relationship. Is that not your desire? Again, and if you don't quite, if you're not quite there yet with God, let's just think about someone else in your world that you care about. If you love that person and you care about them in an intense and deep way, do you not desire that, that closeness to only increase? Okay, so 
if God is good and his promise is relationship. Like that is, that there is nothing better. And then again, as we walk in that, we make him known. So your very life is to be the message of proclaiming the redeeming work of God. This is the noblest of calls. Calls. Uh, I love in just a couple more chapters later in Isaiah, Isaiah 52, it kind of takes the same, kind of the same understanding and expands on it as we are the herald of good news. And it's 50, Isaiah 52, 7 through 10, it'll be on the screen. And it's talking about those who are the herald of good news. It says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord of Zion. Break forth together into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has bared his holy arm before the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Taste and see the Lord is good. Let it overwhelm you. Let it wash over you. Live out your identity as a people who are a rejoicing people. That is your description. That's your bio. That's what you get to participate in. That is, that as, as we think about how we could describe your life, your actions, this would fit you. This would apply. That's good news. This calls for rejoicing. The eternal hope of God was delivered to us in Jesus. He is the good news. We saw, we, we referenced it last week in Peter. Peter, Peter quotes the text and says that it was fulfilled. The good news was fulfilled in Christ. This is our good news. Once again in Isaiah, just to stay in Isaiah, Isaiah 55, 4 through 6, just gives us a vivid picture of the work of Jesus, what he would do, how he would achieve our freedom, what it would cost him. We see it in Isaiah 55, 4 through 6. It says, Surely... He has borne our griefs, we're talking about Jesus, and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He's talking about his dying on the cross, his scourging, the cat and nine tells. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Praise God it is not our goodness that achieves our salvation. Praise God that it is not our goodness in ourselves that keeps us secure. It is solely accomplished in Christ and it is sustained by us being sealed by the blood and the Holy Spirit of Christ. That's the good news. It was the very arms of the Father that inflicted His Son so that you and I could know deliverance from the evil one and be scooped up in His loving arms. Jesus came into the world, and with Him, He brought life, He brought hope, He brought peace, He brought joy and salvation, and He brought light. So we light this last candle this is the Jesus, this is the Christ candle, and it's the representation of, 
of the entering of all light, the light of all light into the world, the entering of life. Again, when the, when the shackles of death was defeated, when the pangs of sin was defeated, and there is life. We find great hope in that day. It is our hope. We live in that hope now, but it also points us to another day, as we heard in our Advent reading, when he will come as the victorious king to once and for all restore all things as they were intended, to restore all things again where there is no more sickness, no more pain, no more tears, no more death, and gathers up all of his children, all those who have called on Christ. So we find great hope in that Christ has come. We also find great hope in the eternal promise that he will come again, because in that his kingdom will be fully established. So in Christ, we are made a rejoicing people. In Christ, we are made a rejoicing people. Rejoicing is fueled by gratitude. And the grateful heart says that it is satisfied and needs no more. Our every need is met in Jesus so we can rejoice in all things. Jesus has come and he's coming again. Be the herald of good news. Rejoice.